Thanks for joining us on In Recess with GCCA. This is a place for court professionals to learn about trending topics in judicial administration from experts in our industry. This podcast is brought to you on behalf of Georgia Council of Court Administrators. This is Justin Dobson here with my co-host Amanda Marshall and Chad Smith. Before we begin our episode today, I'm going to turn it over to Amanda with a few quick announcements. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to take a moment and remind you of our spring conference coming up in Athens, Georgia, March 22nd through the 25th. The theme of this conference is going to be teamwork. And who better to lead us on this topic than UGA Hall of Fame football coach Vince Dooley and his wife, Barbara, who will be joining us as our keynote speakers. We've got the conference agenda posted online so you guys can take a look at some of the amazing speakers we've got lined up for you all. Also, I want to mention that GCCA has a room block established at the Hilton Garden Inn that will offer conference attendees a discounted rate on your hotel. So make sure to use code 00GCCA when you're booking your room. That's 00GCCA. And this code is also listed online on our website if you need to reference it again. You can register online by visiting the GCCA website, which is gccaonline.org. And the conference registration can be found under the events tab from the main page. Registration is 300 $25 for current GCCA members and $450 for non-members. So hey, if you haven't joined GCCA yet, now is a great time. Go online and join our organization today. We hope to see you all in Athens, Georgia on March 22nd. And one more quick thing before I hand it over to my co-host, Chad Smith. <clears throat> Go dogs. Hello, everyone. I'm Chad Smith, one of your co-hosts. Today, we're going to be discussing a couple interesting topics uh, about legislation bills, that how they could impact our juvenile courts. We'll be discussing House Bill 440, House Bill 439, and House Bill 438. We have a very special guest with us here today. Judge Amber Patterson is here to basically tell us about what these bills mean. Um, you know, and I just want to let our listeners know, too, we're not here to get opinionated. I'm not, we don't want to you know, tell you if we agree or disagree with these bills. We just want to use this as more of an educational segment on, on explaining what these bills mean and how they could maybe potentially impact our juvenile courts. Um, so, Judge Patterson, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for having me. Now, I've actually had the privilege of working with Judge Patterson over the last few years, and, and she's an, she does an outstanding job on the, on, on the bench in Cobb County in, in juvenile court, and she's a dedicated public servant. So we're very lucky to have her here. And we first are going to start with House Bill 440. Judge Patterson, could you tell us what House Bill 440 means? Sure. Thank you. Um, House Bill 440 is uh, some new legislation that's um, it basically says that any child under the age of 18 years will have uh, jurisdiction in the juvenile court. So right now, Georgia is one of the three states that cons- uh, considers 17 year olds as adults for criminal purposes. And this bill would move the age of criminal responsibility to 18 so that we in juvenile court would see uh, the 17 year olds. Interesting. Well. Now, are there certain charges that you do not hear in juvenile court? Yeah, so we already have um, a lot of the more serious felonies that we used to call them the seven deadly sins, but uh, now now there's quite a few more. But um, it's everything that you would think it would be uh, rape, murder, things like that. Um, And those are original superior court uh, jurisdiction. There is a mechanism to send them back to or to send them to juvenile court, but they start in superior court already. Okay, and um, I know. Most cases can be dealt differently in juvenile court, and and on every jurisdiction might be a little different. But I know we have like an informal hearings or an, or an advance. Could you kind of talk about how procedures work now in Cobb from from start to finish if if a child comes in into juvenile court? Sure. So most most of the, our cases in Cobb are. Um, I think this past year was possession of marijuana, and the year before that was a fray, which is basically a fight 
Um, and we have the opportunity to, it, it, depending on what the child is, is accused of and also what their history is with the court, we have an informal process that the kids can go through, and that involves uh, mediation, uh, writing a letter, community service, counseling, things like that. Um, and we can use that process for some of our less serious offenses. Um, and then if a child is held, then they are entitled to a probable cause hearing. Um, and then obviously we go through, we have an arraignment for them to make sure they understand what their charges are. Um, and then in adjudication, we have an opportunity to give them an abeyance at that time, which is um, uh, holding off of the disposition so that we can seal their record um, quickly if they do everything that we ask them to do. Um, and then we do the disposition and it gives us the disposition gives us a lot of opportunities to, again, help the child. We can see what they really need um, in order for them to become, you know, good adults that are not committing any crimes. We really are trying to help kids um, become productive members of society. And we don't want them, obviously, hurting each other or hurting themselves or anybody in the community. But if we can safely allow them to get the services that they need and, and it's safe for the community, then we'd like to do that. Um, and we have all kinds of different probation and counseling, drug treatment, things like that, that we that we have available to us. Interesting. Well, I appreciate that, Judge Patterson. And that's House Bill 440. Thank you. The next bill kind of ties in a little House Bill 438. Could you could you explain a little about what House Bill 438 means? Yes. So right now, um, when children come into the courtroom all across the state, there's really no parameters on if they're shackled. Some of them come in with handcuffs. Some of them come in with waist chains. Some come in that with leg shackles. Some come in with all three. So um, there's really no provision right now that says that you have to do one or the other. Um so this particular bill would be uh, is saying that no f- type of physical restraint would be used if it passes. Um, a child shall not appear in the courtroom in any type of physical restraint unless the court is issued an order finding that the use of such restraints is necessary. So you'd have to do that before the hearing. And of course, we move at a pretty quick pace in juvenile court. So, so anytime um, a case starts or if a child was held, like what we were talking about, they would come in if this bill passed, they would come in the courtroom uncuffed, unshackled. That would be the presumption. That's what we would start at. The presumption would be that the child is not restrained at all. Um, now, there is a provision for the court finding um, that the use of restraints is necessary, but the sheriff's office and the child's attorney would need to be heard from before the child walked in. It would be like a, pre, a pretrial motion. So right. before the child walked in, they would be able to be heard on that. And then obviously the DA's office would be there too, because you can't quite hear from the um, from the child's attorney without the DA's office as well. So um, we would basically have to have a hearing every single time before somebody wanted the restraints. And right now, the sheriff's department is really in charge of the safety of the courtroom. So they're, they're, if this bill passed, I'm sure they would have a hand in this on how, you know, a courtroom would look. And, the, you know, because I'm sure that'd be their number one concern is the safety for the child and for, you know, the courtroom. So that would be another conversation um, with, with the sheriff's office to have. So very interesting. Okay. And Judge Passion, what would be some of the factors that you would have to consider if you were going to, you know, put a child in restraints? The statute specifically states that you would need to consider the child's history of their, their behavior, the risk of injury to the child or others, the child's flight risk, the child's need to use their hands to uh, handle documents or write things. And then you would also need to consider the rules from the Council of Juvenile Court judges and any input that the sheriff had. Um, and like I said, the sheriff is the one that is currently in charge of the security of the courtroom. Um, and then if you did uh, require that the child be in, be restrained for the hearing, you would have to include findings of fact. So it would have to be a written order 
support the order and it would require the least restrictive restraints necessary. So when I was talking about, do we really need waist chains? Do we really need leg chains? All right, Judge Patterson, the last bill I'd like to talk about is is House Bill 439. Could you explain a little about what House Bill 439 is? Well, right now, juvenile court judges are currently appointed by the Superior Court judges in their in their district. So for Cobb County in particular, we have four juvenile court judges and we're all appointed by the 10 Superior Court judges that we have. And so this bill allows for election of juvenile court judges. So much like Superior Court, they would qualify in March and then the election in May, and then they would start January 1 and for a term of four years. Right now, we're appointed for a term of four years, okay. and, and this would be an election. Okay, so the way it works now in, in, in Cobb, and it might be different for jurisdiction, is all 10 Superior Court judges, if there's a spot for a juvenile court judge, all 10 judges will, or I guess you'll have interviews, and then they'll make a decision of, and appoint someone to, to, the, to the bench for in juvenile court. They vote on it, and um, it says each judge of the juvenile courts um, shall be elected by the electors of the judicial circuit for which the judge is to serve. So that would be if this, is, if this passes. Um, but, but now we just have the superior court judges that um, vote on who the new juvenile court judge will be. Okay. Now, if there's a vacancy now, the way the, 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 way the system's set up, if someone you know, stepped down midterm or, or, or for whatever reason— how does the Superior Court judges then have a decision on who goes next or how does that work? They do. So if it's an elected position, then the governor would appoint um, for the vacant okay. position. But if but now it's just the same thing as that as it would be before the Superior Court judges would convene in your circuit and decide on who the next juvenile court judge uh, will be for the next four year term. And, and the way um, now is, is with presiding judges, um, how, how is that set in, in juvenile court? Um, so we have a we right now the code specifically says that the juvenile court um, will decide on a presiding judge and we have a rotation that we okay. do in in Cobb. But yeah, you know, I I think there's one at least one juvenile court judge that's elected in Georgia, and that's just by local law. So there's already somebody out there doing it, but yeah, I think that there might just be the one. And lastly, Judge Patterson, um, I know being with being a juvenile court judge, if there's like a current uh, pending. Defects case that's in juvenile court and then something's filed in superior court. A lot of times that superior court judge might send that to juvenile court. Um, How does that process work? It doesn't appear that that anything would change as far as that's concerned. Interesting. So if this bill passed, I mean, that wouldn't change. I mean, everything would. So superior court has the ability to send a case down for investigation and determination. Any sort of custody case uh, or divorce, something involving children. Um, they have the opportunity to send that down to the juvenile court for either investigation and determination or just investigation and report back. Um, because sometimes we have some resources that they don't um, have available to them in the, in the superior court. We also have transfers from probate court um, for guardianships and all kinds of things. Well, that is House Bill 439. And, and Judge Patterson, I would just like to extend our gratitude for coming on today and, and, and educating on what these bills basically mean. Um, I know you're, you're very busy, so we, we really appreciate it on behalf of myself and, and all of GCCA members. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. This is Justin back with you here, and we hope you enjoyed that first episode. If you have not had the opportunity to join GCCA, now is the time. Uh, go online and join today. A membership is only $100 per year, and this allows you to network with court professionals throughout the state and share ideas along with offering training opportunities and two conferences per year, allowing you to develop your leadership skills. All right, everyone. Well, that completes our first episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Be on the lookout for our second episode. It's going to talk about what is 
Court Administration. I'm going to turn it over to Amanda real quick, and she's going to fill you in on what that episode is going to look like. Thanks, Chad. That's right. Episode two is going to focus on court administration, what it is, what it isn't. I'm really excited about this episode because we've invited some fellow GCCA members who are court administrators throughout the state. They work in different jurisdictions, small and large, and they're going to come in to studio and weigh in on their views and perspectives on court administration. So it's going to be an episode you don't want to miss. Make sure to check out our website at gccaonline.org and we'll have our release date posted there, but it will be coming out in May. So we hope you all tune in for that episode. Thanks, Amanda. Sounds like you got a great second episode lined up. We're really looking forward to it. Um, I'm also really looking forward to this conference in Athens. I mean, I can't believe y'all got Vince and Barbara Dooley. That's amazing. I mean, I've personally never been to Athens before. Wait, you've been to Athens, haven't you, Justin? No, man, I've never been. Never been? Amanda, you, I know you've been, though, right? Oh, yeah, I can't wait to relive my college days. Oh, wait, but you went to Alabama, though, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> In all seriousness, I know the Education Committee has worked really hard to put this conference together. So register soon. You don't want to miss out on this lifetime opportunity. Registration is going to end March the 13th, so please sign up. Yeah, and we'd hate for anybody to experience, what do you millennials call it, Justin? FOMO? FOMO, yeah. The fear of missing out. You definitely don't want to experience FOMO. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we look forward to seeing you in Athens. We can't wait to see everybody. Until next time, we'll be in recess.